surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits, and live. They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Isham. Well, good morning, church. I wanted to begin this morning by thanking our music team for leading us beautifully in worship. I'm very grateful for our music team and the way that they lead us into worship. I must say I didn't recognize our music leader this morning. Um, but there's no doubt about his talents, his musical abilities, his hairdressing choicing. That might be a little bit of a question. And if you're needing a hat, Mike, I'm sure Kelly's hat could be, you know, shared around. You might be a little bit shocked to know that we uh, didn't have a reading from the book of Acts this morning. I know it's been 24 weeks that we've been journeying through the book of Acts. For the last three weeks, for those of you who haven't been with us and are new to Hope Church... For the last three weeks, we've heard about the Apostle Paul. He's been on trial in Jerusalem and in Caesarea week after week. In chapter 25, he's still on trial. Next week, he's going to be on trial again. And sometimes it feels like that's what our life's a bit like, one trial after another. And so this morning, we're going to step back and we're going to take... Uh, a moment in Hebrews to hear what God has to say in terms of facing trials, how we can face them faithfully, just as the Apostle Paul so wonderfully faced his trials. So would you pause with me and we'll open up in prayer. 
Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the gift of today. We thank you that we can gather in your presence. Uh, Today is a significant day, not just because we're celebrating birthdays, we're also celebrating baptisms, but today is the day we remember your resurrection. And so we pray that as we sit under your word now, we pray that you would humble our proud hearts, you would strengthen our timid hearts, especially in the face of trials, that you might heal our broken hearts, that we might know Jesus in his name and for his glory, I pray. Amen. Let me encourage you to open your scriptures if you haven't already, and I'm reading from Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Hebrews is a wonderful guide for us that is encouraging us to reject the rubbish, to run the race that's marked out for us, and to refocus our eyes on Jesus. And as we do that, the promise from God is that we will be able to endure faithfully whatever the trials and the struggles that are thrown at us. Now, the context of of this passage is, of course, this wonderful passage in chapter 11, the chapter that describes the heroes of the faith and how they walked faithfully, men and women of God who walked in faith. Now, the writer, probably not Paul, gives a definition of faith at the beginning of chapter 11 that faith is being confident of what we hope for and assured of what is unseen. That's his definition, his working definition of faith, that we're confident of what we hope for and we have an assurance of what is unseen. Last week we heard about the hope that Paul had and the hope that he had was to resurrection to eternal life. And that's why he was on trial, he said. I want to ask you this morning, do you have that hope? Do you have that eternal perspective? Because that's one of the things that the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us to have that eternal perspective, the hope in our hearts, especially when we are going through the trials and the tribulations of life. Do you have that? Do you have an assurance of that which is unseen? By unseen, I mean the kingdom of God. Are you assured that God's purposes are being worked out in your life? Do you have a confidence that when you're facing the trials, that God's plans and God's purposes are being worked out in your life? That's a mark of faith, God is saying here. And so earlier in chapter 11, he describes how Abel and Enoch and Noah and Sarah Isaac and Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, heroes of the faith, all walked in faith. And then at the end of the chapter, he says this. He says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So this is the remarkable thing. Something better was planned for these giants of the faith. And you and I, in the family of God, have a part to play in that something better. And that's what we're going to explore this morning. So, 
to enter into this plan, you and I are invited to reject the rubbish, to run the race, and to refocus our eyes on Jesus, even in the midst of testing. In fact, we might say, especially in the midst of testing. Reject the rubbish and run the race. Now, I wonder if there are any runners out here. Would there be anybody here this morning that would own up to that affliction of being keen on running? Are there any runners out here? Keen runners? One or two? Yeah. I used to be a runner in my day. If I cast my mind back long enough, and the 800 meter race was my go-to race, and my proudest moment was going to QE2 Park for the regional champs of the schools, and uh, I was there on the same track that Dick Taylor, some of you won't have heard the name Dick Taylor, but on the same track that he won gold, and I was there starting at the start line in the 800 meter race, and I took off at an incredible clip, And the exciting thing was that I finished the finish line. I went through the finish line in first place after 400 meters. (laughs) And unfortunately, 800 meters is a very long race for a young fella, and I faded fast. But I did finish the race. I finished the race. And this is the metaphor that God is using here in Hebrews 12, to finish the race, to run the race that's marked out for us. But to do that freely, he says a couple of things have to happen. We have to reject, we have to throw off the things that are hindering us in running the race. He says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles us so easily, he says. Let's start with a second instruction, to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, the pride. The pride in our lives that says, look at me, haven't I done it? The pride that says, I can define my own path. I can define my own race. The pride that says, I can define my own identity. And, and the writer here would say, throw that off. Throw any sin off. It's a huge weight for you. It's going to hinder you in your walk with God. The equal and opposite sin of saying, I'm worthless. Surely I'm no good. Surely I can't really be of any use to the church or to the kingdom or to God. I just, I just don't measure up. I just have nothing that's worthy of offering to God. That sense of worthlessness, it's just as destructive as the pride. If pride is the vanity which demands attention, the sense of self-loathing and the abdication of duty that inevitably flows out of it is the sin which denies God's grace is enough. It's the sin that, that denies that God has a plan and a purpose for you and his grace is enough for you. Cast it off. Cast off any form of disobedience which rejects the word of God. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness. These sins will wrap around your legs and they will cause you to stumble and fall. God would say, throw it away. Throw the sin away that so easily entangles But it's not just the sin. Notice the writer says it's not just the sin that you have to get rid of. Anything that hinders you in running the race, he says. Anything that hinders you. 
If the second instruction is to cast off every sin, the first is the more general instruction, not just sin, but everything that hinders your walk with God. Now the ESV translates this verse in verse 1, let us also lay aside every weight. The picture here the author has of us running a race and somehow we've got this backpack on our back and we've filled it up with all sorts of stuff that God has never asked us to be carrying. And he's saying, you've got to take that backpack off. You've got to throw it away. That weight is hindering you in your walk. What might be some of those things? Remember, the Lord Jesus himself said, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Two things I want to name this morning that will hinder your walk with God's. Other people's unrealistic expectations of you and the sense of shame that you carry. Expectations. If there's one thing that will weigh you down, it's buying into the unrealistic expectations of others. Others don't necessarily know you. They don't necessarily know God's plans and God's purposes for you. And oftentimes when they are saying, you should do this, and the finger is wagging behind them, really what they're doing is projecting their own insecurities, their own brokenness on you. Other people's unrealistic expectations will weigh you down in the race that God has marked out for you. Secondly, shame. Shame is that sense of dishonor a community will judge a transgressor with shame and dishonor and this is actually named in this passage Jesus took on shame at the cross as the community judged him and they threw their dishonor on him and the writer says he took on that shame but he scorned that shame why for the joy that was set before him Shame will often be the result of others' actions, a sexual assault, a family member falling into sin, or maybe the result of an illness that you carry, some sense of shame or dishonor on your soul. Throw it off, God would say this morning. In Christ, the stain on your soul is removed. In faith, take it to the cross. Lay it down at the cross. The shame is not of Christ. Lay it down before the cross, just as Christ paid the price for you. Throw it off like you might throw away a piece of rubbish at the dump and run free in Christ. That's the promise that God holds out to us this morning. Because in Christ you are clean. In Christ you are free. In Christ you are loved. So throw it away. And when you're free from shame and free from false expectations, and if you've made the decision to reject sin and you have made the decision to follow Christ, you are free to run the race marked out for you. Notice that the path is marked out for you. You don't have to decide what this race is. You don't have to work out what the path is. The path, the race is marked out for you. Run the race. And run it with perseverance, God says, or endurance, as the word implies. Keep going, child of God's. And then importantly, as you throw off, you reject the rubbish. And as you run the race, you need to replace it with something. As any addict will tell you, just to throw away stuff, it leaves a void. It leaves a vacuum in your life. 
So as you throw away the rubbish, the writer now says you've got to fill it with something. But actually you don't fill it with something, you fill it with someone. As you refocus your eyes on the Lord Jesus himself. Listen to verse 2 and 3. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. A pioneer is somebody who has gone before you. That's Jesus. A perfecter of the faith is somebody who has made the path straight for you. That's the Lord Jesus. And God is saying to you this morning, refocus your eyes on Jesus. Refocus on him, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. He endured the cross. He endured the cross so that that entangled sin around your life can be thrown away and exchanged for righteousness. He scorned the cross, it's agony, it's shame, because he now knew of the greater good that lay before him, the joy of being welcomed home to his father, eternal life. The joy of being welcomed home into God's presence. I wonder if you've ever known that. The joy of being welcomed home by God. This afternoon we're going to hear in our baptism service, Ishan's going to unpack Luke 15, where that wonderful parable we, we hear of the prodigal returning home and the father's arms are waiting out wide. Have you ever known that welcome home? When I was 28 years old, I'd been away for just under three years. I'd been traveling the world. And on the way home, I stopped off in Bali and somehow my plane got, uh, connection got disconnected. And it was about two days before Christmas as I was worrying that I was not going to get home. But by God's grace, he got me on a plane on Air New Zealand. I got jumped up to first class and I was thanking God. But that was nothing. That was nothing. But when I got home, my family, my mum and my dad and my brothers, all 28 of them, no, six of them, and the nieces and nephews, they were all there waiting for me in the welcome home. Have you ever known that? Have you ever known that in the spiritual when God welcomes you home with his arms out wide? God is waiting for you to return this morning. He's waiting for you to return. You know, it's so easy to get distracted by the world. It's so easy to get distracted by even the trials and the struggles that are going on in your life. And God would say this morning, reject the rubbish. Throw away the rubbish. Run the race that's marked out for you. Refocus your eyes on the Lord Jesus. And then, and then you will be able to endure whatever it is that's going on in your life right now. Refocus on what Jesus has done and refocus on what Jesus has said. Let me remind you, remember Gethsemane. Remember how Judas betrayed him. Remember how Peter denied him. Remember how they all forsook him and fled. Remember the scourging. Remember the crown of thorns. Remember how they spat on him. Remember how they struck him in the head with a reed. Remember his pierced hands and his feet. Remember his agony on the cross. Remember his thirst. Remember how he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why did the Lord do this? So that you can know the homecoming. So that the rubbish in your life 
can be thrown away and you can know his righteousness. Refocus your eyes this morning on what the Lord has done for you. Refocus your eyes and your ears on what he is saying to you in the scriptures. Reject the rubbish, run the race, refocus on Jesus, and then you will be able to endure the trials. Whatever the world throws at you, whatever the devil throws at you, whatever comes your way, you will endure the trials. That's the promise of God to you this morning. Receive that promise, church. I know some of you are going through tough, tough trials right now. Trials that you are wondering, when is this going to end? Is this going to end? And why is this going on? Why is this happening to me? And they're understandable questions. But I want you to hear this morning this word of assurance that God has not forsaken you, though he seems distant. That God has not left you, though he seems distant. God is with you. Listen to the following verses. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have completely forgotten his word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And then he goes on to say the following in verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained in it. That's God's promise to us this morning. Training in righteousness. It's painful. But hear the promise of God's word. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. Does that mean every trial that comes your way is sent by God? No, it doesn't. But just like Joseph, it does mean that every trial you face can be redeemed and can be used for God's glory in his kingdom. God's promise to you this morning is, as we journey through the trials in faith, we will reap a harvest of righteousness. Not only that, he describes the peace for those who are willing to undergo the training. What does this harvest look like? Well, it means... For those followers of Jesus who have walked by faith through the fires of suffering and trial and opposition and heartbreak, we come out the other side with patient, persevering love. Not only that, we know the joy that is set before us. The joy in eternity and we get a taste of that joy here and now today. Reject the rubbish, run the race, Refocus on Jesus and you will endure. Why? Because God is with you and his promises, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. God is with you. He's gone before you. He's the pioneer of your faith. He's leveling the path for you. He is the perfecter of your faith. He's gone to the cross. He's scorned the shame so that you can know the joy that is set before you. Hear the words of your Saviour in eternity as we walk by faith and as we put our trust in what God has done and is doing. Hear the words of our Saviour. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I love and with them I am well pleased. Look at how they walk by faith. 
Look at my children, how they walk by faith. That's the joy that's set before you this morning. We're going to wrap up in a moment, but before we do that, I just want to show a wee clip. Some of you have seen this clip before, but it illustrates this race that we are called to run so beautifully. Derek Redman was favoured to win a medal in the 1992 Olympics in the 400 metre race. He was in the form of his life. He was the Great Britain record holder and he stood on the start line of the semi-final confident that he would be going through to win a medal. Until 150 metres into the race, in the semi-final, he blows out his hamstring and let's have a look now, Robert, see what happens after that.
Nobody remembers who won the gold medal in the 1992 400 metres Olympics, but I certainly remember Derek Redmond. He finished the race. But notice how he finished the race. He finished the race because his father came alongside him and put his shoulder there for him and picked him up and he took him to the finish line and then he cheered him on over the line. And that's the picture of our father in heaven. When we struggle in our life, when we pull a hamstring in our life, when the world throws everything at us and the devil throws everything at us, God's promise from this word this morning is that there is a cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. That's the church. But he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. In fact, the Lord Jesus will come alongside you and pick you up and make sure you get to the finish line. Run the race. Run the race with perseverance. Reject the rubbish. Run the race. Refocus on the Lord Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith, and you will endure anything and everything. That's God's promise to us this morning. Let's bow our hearts and our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you again for the promise of your word to us. We thank you and we worship we worship you this morning for who you are and what you've done. The Lord Jesus, you went to the cross. You scorned its shame so that we might know that welcome home. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning as I pray for myself. Lord, you've marked out the race for us. We don't have to guess. We don't have to go searching for it. You just encourage us this morning to pick ourselves up and run that race because you're with us. You're with us. And there's a cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And so I pray for each and every one of us here this morning, for those who are going through the trials, for those who have got trials yet to come. Lord, that by your grace, you would strengthen our hearts, that you would come alongside us, pick us up, and that you would carry us to the finish line. And Lord, for those of us who are walking confidently and boldly, may we look around us. May we express our love for our brothers and sisters as we lend a shoulder, as we pick our brothers and sisters up to help them cross the finish line. We praise you and thank you for the joy that you have set before us, the welcome home in eternity, the hope of resurrection life. Lord, may we be people who walk by faith. This we ask in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.